you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. I'm going to read an extremely familiar passage of Scripture and a passage we have spoken from many times. Um, Galatians chapter 6 and verses 7 through 10, four verses here that I want to talk to you about tonight. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatever whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I want you to notice this. If you sow to the flesh, you reap the flesh. Sow to the Spirit, you reap everlasting life. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Lord, help us tonight to navigate through your word. Speak to our hearts tonight. Let your word rest deep in our spirits. Lord, let us grow in you tonight. Let your word shine into our life and reveal to us the areas of our life, God, that you want to perfect us in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I want to talk to you about uh, Galatians chapter 6 and the, the, the law of sowing and reaping here that is that is described in this passage, and I want to break want to break this down to you a little bit because sometimes I think that when we talk about sowing and reaping, that I know my as a kid growing up, sometimes I would always hear my parents remind me every time I would do something that maybe was something they didn't like, didn't approve of, didn't appreciate. They usually would remind me of this passage in the Bible. And it'd say, whatever you sow, boy, you're going to reap. But rarely in, the, in, a, in a positive connotation was this verse ever used. However, uh, contextually here in the scripture, we have to understand that uh, the Apostle Paul is, is very clear. Uh, as a matter of fact, he mentions more about the positive aspect of this text uh, the side that I, I wasn't raised up hearing a lot from my parents, um, uh, he speaks more of the positive aspect of this than he does the, na- the negative aspect. Uh, 
He, of course, says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. But that's all that he says that would have any negative connotation to it whatsoever in that in this law of sowing and reaping. For he says, but if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. And then he goes on in verse 9 saying, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. So there's several things that's going on in this text that I feel that, that I, want to, I want to talk to you about and I want to expand it. I've talked from this passage on multiple times and tonight I, I want to I want to expand it a little more as the Lord uh, hopefully has expanded my mind. I hope we never get tired of the word of the Lord. Sometimes we go back to scripture and God expands our thoughts on it, expands our mind on it again and again. The issue in the text here is that everything that you do, everything you say, every decision that you make you are sowing. Uh, I could get into several laws uh, that uh, have been uh, recorded over, over time that every action has a reaction. Uh, it's, it's, it's very clear here in this text that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so this isn't something that you're going to outlive, by the way. So this applies to the youngest in the room or to the oldest in the room because in everything that we do, we are sowing. Uh, can, can, can I have a little time and a little room tonight to talk to you about the importance of sowing the right things into your life? If you sow, if, if you sow the wrong seed you're going to reap the wrong harvest. And it's not, because, it's not because the seed got it wrong, but it's because of what you're planting. If you sow into your, your family, you, you sow good seed, you sow time, you sow energy, you sow effort, uh, you sow proper things into your family, you will reap the benefit of whatever you are sowing. If you neglect, you're sowing. You're still sowing. You're sowing through neglect. Your neglect is a form of sowing. And you will reap what that neglect that you're sowing will produce. Uh, you, can, you can try this. You can try this. I don't recommend it, but you can try this. Uh, you can go to work tomorrow and you can start sowing some things at work. You can go in tomorrow with a big mouth and a bad attitude and tell everybody off and do whatever you want. You, you probably get by with it for a little while. But you know what you're doing? You're sowing. And eventually, it may not be over what you said, but they'll find some reason to walk you out of that place because you're sowing. And eventually, you're going to reap. If you're in a marital relationship, if you sow the wrong things into your marital relationship, you're going to reap a product of what you are sowing. And sometimes it may not be what you intended to get out of it. Let me, let me say this to you. No matter, you, you will reap whatever you sow. This principle applies to everyone. 
both Christians and non-principle uh, and non-Christians. Th- this principle is it's irrevocable. There's no escape in it. Neither the believer nor the unbeliever can can escape it because it is an irrefutable law of life that you will reap what you sow. This is why that the Apostle Paul begins with a statement, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Because a lot of people believe that they will be the exception to the rule. And and in doing so, a lot of people get caught up wishing or wanting to get a certain outcome. But they're not willing to invest the right seed now to reap the right harvest when the time comes. You can wish for it, you can want for it, but the only way to get to the harvest is you're going to have to plant a seed Now, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Meaning God sees to the law of sowing and reaping. God attends to that law. He's the one that that pays attention to it. To mock God is to thumb your nose at God and say, I'm going to do whatever I want, but in the end, this is going to be the outcome. It will never turn out the way you want it to turn out just because you want it to turn out that way. I wish I had the whole church here tonight because there is something that I want to say about this. There are people who are very good at manipulating other people and very good at manipulating situations to get the outcome that they want. I have a scriptural word for you tonight. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. God will not be manipulated. Through his grace, he may allow you a space of time to get by with manipulation and control and thinking that in the end, everything's going to come out the way that I want it to come out because I've had success a time or two through manipulating others, or and, and it's turned out the way I wanted it to. But Paul says, be not deceived. Because God is not going to be manipulated. You're not going to mock God and get by. He will have the final word. It's a foolish thought to think, I will be an exception to the rule, and I will, in the end, God's just going to come through for me because I'm pretty. God's going to come through for me because I showed up to church on Wednesday night. God's going to come through for me because you will reap whatever you sow. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Whether you're going to sow what you reap, either good or bad. You will always reap what you sow. So you can 
here's the, here's the idea of good intentions and wishing. It will never turn out the way that you intended or the way that you wished. It will turn out according to the seed that you sow. Stay with me for a moment here now. If you take corn seed and you sow corn seed, you can stay up at night and pray for God to change the seed and make it wheat seed. You can, you can call your mama, your daddy, and all your friends and neighbors, and you can post it on Facebook, thus saith the Lord. It is not prophetic of me to tell you, but if you plant corn seed, I prophesy you will reap corn. It is a law. It is a law that you will reap what you sow. You plant beans, you get beans. You plant tomatoes, you don't get apples. You're going to get tomatoes. It is a law that you will always reap what you sow. Now, there are some basic principles here. The Bible, the Bible was written, there, there's a lot of farming terminology, and I'm not a farmer. Um, I know very little about farming, really. Um, the extent of my farming, um, I quit it when I was uh, a young adult because as young as I remember, I remember my parents putting me out in the garden in the heat of Texas summer, and I was always out there getting blisters on my hand, out working, tilling the ground, and I always knew this is not what I want to do long term. But I learned some things in, in the garden, and working in the garden, I, I, I figured out a few things. I would go with my, my dad oftentimes. We went down, there's a little feed store in town where they had cattle feed and that sort of thing. And a um, little country store set on the edge of the train track. It was everything country you could possibly imagine. And uh, they just pulled the train car over. There's a little rail where they could just drop a, a, a train car right on the side of the rail. And it's right up in the middle of town, little old feed store. It's still there. Ran down old building. Looks like it's about to fall over. Last time I was there, Mr. Steinitz was still working there. And uh, interesting name, Steinitz. You could spell it backwards and it's still spelled Steinitz. That's how I remember the name. Uh, Mr. Steinitz, he was always there and sitting out front. Would go there and he not only sold feed, but he also had seed. He could rhyme. It was seed and feed. Stymet seed and feed. And we would go there and we'd go in and, and Dad, there's other options, other places to go. But Dad said, no, no, no. We go to Mr. Stymet's because Mr. Stymet's has the best seed. He would go and he would start to pick out what he's doing and he'd ask Mr. Stymet's about brand and all the details, and these are things that I don't remember. Some of you out here that have gardens, you, you're already ahead of me. I, I remember my dad, he, 
he wanted purple hull, black-eyed peas. And he would plant purple hull, black-eyed peas. And, and, or I would plant them mainly. But it was dad's garden. And so he would get the seed for purple hull, black-eyed peas. And he would get them because he, he'd get them there because they were good, good seed. And I remember dad saying, you know, seed's really cheap. For all the work and all the labor that goes in, we could buy a cheaper seed. We could, there's, a, there's another place over here we can go get cheaper seed. But if you plant that cheaper seed, it, it just doesn't produce like a better seed, the quality. So a lot of what you plant, a lot of the seeds you put in the ground, are, they're not going to germinate. They're not going to bring forth. And then the other, the other thing is, as he said, it's, it's mixed seed. I want you to take this in for a minute. It's this mixed seed. Either you plant the black-eyed purple hole or purple hole black-eyed, however you say it, peas. Said so you you plant these these purple hole. I can't even say it now. What what is it? Black-eyed purple hole peas, whichever way it is. He said the problem is is you you go get the seed this other place. Sometimes it's got other seeds mixed in with it. You may come out. It may not all be. Purple holes, you got different kind of you got different kind of seed that's growing up, and so you'll have different plants kind of growing up together. He said, I'm not because I want to plant good seed. I'm gonna be real earthy with you tonight. I'm trying to speak to you about your life and about what you plant in your life. Because whatever you plant, if you're not careful about what you are planting, if you live your life in neutral, I let my mouth run in neutral. I don't keep my tongue under control. You know what you're doing? You're planting mixed seed. You can shout on Sunday and, and, and be a Christian on Sunday and Wednesday and then on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, you go live however you want. You know what happens? You're planting mixed seed. And then you, I don't understand why. I go to church, I, you know, I can, I can worship like the, like the rest of them. I, I can, it's mixed seed. You got to be careful what you're planting because whatever you plant, you will reap that harvest. And so you have to be careful. Every day in your life, you are sowing seed. You're sowing into your family. Your attitude, your expressions, the words you say, you're planting into your marriage, planted into your children. If you have young children, grandchildren, and, and you're, every, every action, everything you're doing, every word that you speak, the consistency. Listen, these kids are smart nowadays. They know whether you're consistent or not. They, they know when you manipulate the truth a little bit, they'll pick it up. And you know what you're doing? You're planting seed. You're telling them what is normal. You're telling them what is okay. You are planting into their life. In your marriage, every action, every word. You want to be treated kindly? I suggest you and plant good seed. Because whatever you extend out, you're going to receive back. The prophet Hosea describes 
what awaits those who choose to sow seed of wickedness. In Hosea, in Hosea chapter 8, verse number 7, he said, They sow to the wind and they reap the whirlwind. They sow to the wind, they reap the whirlwind. Watch. They sow to the wind. In other words, there's carelessness in sowing. Anybody with me? I know you're tired and weary tonight, but some of those looks on those faces is kind of drifting off to sleep already. You sow to the wind. I'm just going to let the wind scatter it. Now sow to the wind. That might be all right if you want to grow weeds. When you sow to the wind, Hosea says, you will reap the whirlwind. It's not going to turn out the way you thought it was going to be. This is why as people of God, we've got to be deliberate. We've got to be, we've got to be deliberate. We've got to pay attention to what we're doing. I don't care what people think about me. We need to care what people think about us. I'm going to say whatever's, whatever comes to my mind. The Bible said that's foolish. So the fool speaks his mind. So we have to learn to guard our tongue, guard our actions. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't sow to the wind or we will reap the whirlwind. The one that sows to please, to please his sinful nature. From that nature, he will reap destruction. The one that sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. So you and I are planting seeds every day. Some, some plant seeds to please the sinful nature, to gratify the desires that rage within them, and you will reap the gratification that you're looking for. And you will harvest. You can reap. You can, you can sow into the pleasures of sin for a season, and you will reap the harvest of sin in that season. So your harvest, there's several things we've got to notice here, all right? Can I have your, have, your, have your mind here for just a few moments? Your harvest is affected by the condition of your soil. This is why it's so very important for us to pay attention. I heard, recently heard a statistic. It is the 414 principle. The 414 principle is the time in which our students are the most susceptible to the environment in which they are around. Their decisions are made. Decisions about what religion, this is not, this is not an apostolic author that I'm reading. He says decisions based on what religion that, that a child is going to be in the high 90 percentile. That decision is made between ages 4 and 14. How they feel about God, whether they're going to be, whether they're going to believe in God at all or not, the, the level of their faith between 4 and 14. They call it the 414 principle. This is why it's very important to understand what the author is saying is that that is a very vulnerable time for the soil. 414. It's very, children are very vulnerable during that time. It's very important. You can, 
what you do and how you're planning during that season of their life is oftentimes dictating the harvest that you're going to receive, the outcome you're going to receive on the other side between 4 and 14. Your harvest is affected by the condition of your soil. The Bible gives us an example. If one is sowing on stony ground and another in deep soil, guess which one is going to come out best? It's understanding and knowing what what soil and the condition of the soil. The second thing I want to point to you tonight is that you must tend the potential. And if you're taking notes, I want you to, you're going to want to write that down. You must tend to the potential. Anybody, any gardeners in the house? No? Wow. Two? You, you don't you don't wait, you don't plant your seed and let the garden grow. And then you just you wait to see what kind of what kind of fruits on the tree, what kind of fruit is on the vine, what kind of vegetable. We want, we're going to wait and see how well it produces. And when we see that it produces at that point, then we're going to decide to till and work and, and tend to the plant, to the tree, to the vine. It's not how it works. You tend to the potential. If you have, I'll speak to leaders, I'll speak to parents. You don't wait to, you can't wait for your kids to grow up and see how they're going to, how they're going to turn out. I've heard parents say before, well, I'm going to let my kids grow up and decide for themselves whether they want to serve God or don't want to serve God. You're making a grave mistake. The scripture says a decision was pretty, pretty clear, pretty clearly made. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it can't be optional. And the reason is, is because there is potential in that young life. So in these students, and they're in classrooms tonight, and, and they're, they're learning tonight, they're, they're being taught from children to youth and young adults. We, we can't wait to see, well, we're going to wait until they grow up, and when they're grown, and they get it, we're going to see, and boy, if they are successful, and if they really have motivation and drive for the things of God, then we're going to find a way to utilize them and to get them plugged in. Wrong answer. Tend to the potential. So when you hold that seed in your hand, there's potential in the seed. When you put it in the soil, there's potential. When that thing sprouts through and it's nothing but just a little hint of a green sliver coming through the ground, you have to take care of it because you have to understand, I'm tending to the potential. You can't just mistreat it. You can't, you can't just expect, well, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to let the grass grow up in it. I'm going to let the weeds grow up in it. If you're not careful, it'll get choked out. Because you're not tending to the potential. Well, they're not producing anything. Not yet. Not yet. 
But we must learn to tend to the potential. This is why it's so very important as a church. Can I have my freedom to talk to you tonight? It's so very important as a church. This is why our vision and our plan for the future and what we're doing, this is why it's so very important to start with our children at children's age. They're not going to completely understand everything that we're teaching. I'm not going to go in and teach to them like I'm teaching you tonight. They don't relate to that. I'm not going to go in, if I'm teaching to young people and preaching to young people, I'm not going to preach and teach to young people exactly the way that I'm going to teach to this crowd. I understand my crowd tonight. I understand my audience. And so I'm going to teach to you on a level that you can relate to. But when I go to a younger crowd, I'm going to teach to them on a level that they can understand. And so these, these students, these, these, these students are in the classroom. That's why these teachers... They, they're, they're at the level where they are. If they're in the, if they're in the, 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 the six to eight-year-old, then they're, they're teaching at the six to eight-year-old level. They're tending to the potential. They're, they're, they're tending to the potential of what they're going to become. And as a church in every aspect, we need some more space and some more room so that we can bring them together, so that they can have children's church. And so the only time they worship is not here in adult church. I'm good with them worshiping here, but they need to have their own worship set with their own worship songs and their, their ability to be able to connect at their level. This is why this is part of our vision, what we're doing, so that they get used to it. And then when they move up to, a, to, to, to a youth age and move into young adult age, they're not sitting in the back with arms folded going, I don't even understand what this is. Because they grew up, they, they, they grew up being familiar with, with worship, being familiar with the move of the Holy Ghost in there, something they can relate to. They may get up with clown costumes and suits on and, and bounce around and tell stories silly and, and, and juggle and, and, and play games in the middle of the Bible lesson to hold their attention because we're reaching to their age. It's their potential right now that we're reaching to. We see the end product. And so we don't take them now and say, well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go sit down. You're going to sit there. and You're going to keep your mouth shut. You're not going to speak. And when you become 21, then you can make a decision whether you're going to serve God. And then you can decide if you're going to go to the altar. God forbid. I want our children to be familiar I want this place up here in the front to be a place that they're familiar with. I, my, my office, I have candy in my office and kids sometimes. I was in the other day, I was in having a, a meeting uh, with one of our young adults the other, the other night. I was in there and all of a sudden I, I heard my door start. I didn't lock the door and I heard the door start opening. And I heard talking outside and the door pushed open and here's two of the little guys about this tall. It took both of them to push the door open. And I said, whoa, 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 I'm in a meeting. They look, they're like, meeting? We just want candy. They just came right on in. I said, wait, I'm in a meeting. They just pushed right on in. They said, we, Pastor, can we have some candy? I just got up and gave them candy because I want, them, I want my office to be a safe place. I want them to be familiar. I don't want it to be a place the only time you go in the pastor's office is when you're in trouble about something. I want them to feel comfortable when they feel like, well, I can't talk to anybody else. I want them to feel like I can go talk to my pastor. 
I can ask my pastor about it. He's, he, he's, he's a safe place. I want the church to be a safe place. This doesn't need to be a place of condemnation for our children and our young people. They're not going to always get it right. They're not going to be perfect. We have to tend to their potential. They're going to make mistakes, but we see, we, I see potential in them, and so we're going to tend to the potential. We're not going to say, well, they made a mistake at 12. Let's just cut, let's just cut the tree down. Never going to produce anything. And we tend to that potential because we understand that there is time. Everybody say time. Time between the planting and the harvest. It takes watering, feeding, nurturing, supplying the necessities of growth. You know what we're doing? We're investing in the harvest. We have to care. We have to weed. Occasionally you got to deal with the problem. You gotta, there's got to be some correction there. My dad used to raise tomatoes. Anybody ever staked tomatoes so they didn't fall over and lay on the ground? But my dad would go out and we had a little place over I could walk to, put on my boots, and walk over and I'd cut these little young bamboo shoots down. They called them cane patch. Where, where I grew up, they call it a cane patch. It's bamboo. We'd cut, we'd go cut it down, little bamboo sticks. Come back, Dad would have a whole row of tomatoes. We'd come back, put that bamboo stick in the ground, and we'd take string and we'd pull those tomato plants up, and put put string around it, pull it up a little higher, and put string. Before long, you got that plant. What you were doing is that. In of itself, that tomato plant doesn't have the ability to be able to stand and hold its fruit. So it starts out growing as a little plant. It just looks beautiful. But as it gets bigger and as soon as the, soon as the tomatoes begin to develop, that thing just starts falling over. So it needs some help and some assistance. It needs something stronger than itself. Be careful about looking at our young people saying, well, you just need to get a backbone. Maybe they just need a mentor. Maybe they need you to be the strength for them. Maybe you need to tie yourself to them and say, I'm willing to invest in them and help them grow straight and help them grow tall and help them become what I'm what God is wanting them to become. I want, but we've got to be straight ourselves. Oh my. We've got to have some strength in us. We can't be blown around with every wind of doctrine. We've got to understand that we're affecting the future harvest. And so we, we're going to reap what we sow. So there's the waiting. Between the sowing and the harvest is the season of waiting. And sometimes that's the hardest season. It's the time of the unknown. Does anybody just love to wait? You just love waiting. If so, come to my house when my wife's getting ready to go somewhere. You can get some practice with me. Just waiting. 
I drop little hints like getting ready to go somewhere and I'll just say, wait on the Lord. You got to wait. Wait on the Lord. And he will renew my strength. Wait on the Lord. And my wife. Wait on the Lord and my wife. Then he shall renew my strength. There's no fun in waiting, particularly in the fast-paced world that we're in. Our dinners are microwaved. Rush it. We get speeding tickets because we're in a hurry. We're impatient. We're rushing. Immediate results. We want to get the outcome now. But if we're going to produce good fruit, we're going to have to learn to wait. And not everything, not every harvest comes off at the same season. I remember we used to plant when we would go out to plant, the first things that dad wanted to get in the ground were the things that were going to take the longest to get them planted because they're not going to produce. So it's, it's, we're going to get them because some things you could plant and it didn't take too long until they were, they were beginning to produce. I remember I always tried to plant watermelons and I never was successful. I'd plant them. I, th I think there wasn't enough rain in the area where we were in the summertime when I was trying to plant them in the heat. And so I never could get them to produce very much. But, oh, I'd go out there and I planted the seed. And I'd have a few. They would start developing. And, man, I was out there. I was always, just always trying to get those watermelons to grow. And they wouldn't get very large. And if I ever reached a point of, I'm looking at them, I'm thinking, I think they stopped growing. And... I don't know how that it happened is the story I would tell my dad. I'm not sure how it happened, Dad, but the, this thing was off the vine. So I had to bring it in the house. And Dad says, son, it's not ready. It's not ripe. Are you sure? Well, let's, let's open it and see. Dad said, son, that was, the, that was the best melon on the patch. I know. That's why I chose it. Oh, you chose it, did you? It just fell off the and dad would say, son, see, you cut that melon open. It wasn't ready because I, I had harvested it too soon. You've got to wait. You've got to let the harvest come when the harvest is due. For we will reap if we faint not. Don't faint during the waiting. The Lord will perfect us. Everything in the scripture is about us waiting. It is in humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due season. We have to do the humbling. He does the exaltation. We have to learn to wait. Because some water, some plant, some water, but it is God 
that gives the increase. And so in everything that we have, whether you're investing into your home, your family, your marriage, your children, understand the principles that I'm teaching to you tonight. They will always come to pass. It will, you will reap exactly what you sow. We have to understand that during the waiting process, it's, it's, okay, it's okay to encourage one another. Our children, our young people, our young adults, and they're all out tonight. And so I'm, I'm taking my liberty. Not all are out. Z Jack's in here tonight. But we're going to encourage, we're going to encourage our young people. We're going to encourage our young adults. We're going to encourage our children. doesn't matter if they're, they're not perfect. They don't deserve to be encouraged. Encourage them. Speak something positive to them. They may not be where somebody else is. One writer said it like this. He talked about being perfect in your own season. It's one thing to be perfect in your season and something else to be perfect according to somebody else's season. You live to the, the level of your potential and you live it to the fullest. There's no reason to try to be somebody else. If you're, if you're a new convert or a newer convert, don't start comparing yourself to somebody that's been serving God for 25 years, 30 years. There's no way. Don't compare yourself to them. You'll, you'll end up discouraged. You listen to them pray, you'll end up discouraged if you start comparing your prayer life. We probably need to be careful about comparing ourselves with one another. The Bible teaches us to not compare ourselves among each other. So we have to be cautious. We have to be careful because in everything we do, there is the reaping of the harvest in the here and the now. So there is a reaping here and now. And that means that you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. You'll reap in the here and now. Those who have planted seeds of love and concern for their fellow man will reap a harvest of friends. Those who plant seeds of hatred and bitterness and envy will harvest enemies. That's why it's important. Your, your actions, your attitude, your words, all these things. Those who have planted seeds of faithfulness to the Lord have brought forth bushels of blessings. Those who have rejected the Lord have found emptiness in their lives and filled with shallow searchings trying to discover the real meaning of life. But ultimately there is the reaping in eternity. You will reap what you sow. There is the reaping in eternity. The law of sowing and reaping definitely has consequences in the here and now. But the main emphasis of our text seems to be eternally oriented the words of the Lord don't require a lot of interpretation here for me the one who sows to the flesh reaps destruction well I love my life and I love what I'm you know I love what I'm doing I want to do do what I do and in the end you know I just believe that God's going to just wink at ignorance and let me through well listen ignorance He's not going to wink at it. He only did that one time. He's not going to continue. 
The one who sows to please the Spirit will receive eternal life. So what are you investing in? What potential are you investing in? Because in every action and everything you're doing, you are you're sowing to, you're, you're tending to the potential. So those who plant only seed which pleases their own desires will find fruit of the harvest not pleasing to them in the end. The harvest will be destruction. But the harvest that will bring about eternal life. So here's the thing. If you sow in prayer, you'll reap in prosperity. That doesn't mean monetary prosperity. But the Bible, the Bible teaches us that if we pray, our Heavenly Father hears our prayer. This is a principle. This is a principle, and the Bible is full of it. Get in this word. You will begin to see. If you, if you develop a prayer life, your life will be blessed. You sow in the word of God, you will reap growth. You can't wish growth in your life. Well, I sure wish I was a better, you know, I wish I knew more of the Scripture. Open it up and read it. You'll never wish, well, I intend to, to know the Scripture. You'll never intend enough. You'll never wish enough. You will have to spend the time in the Word to know the Word. It's just a principle. You'll reap what you sow. So we sow in obedience, and then there will be, we'll reap the development to the obedience the scripture said those that sow, that sow in sorrow will reap in joy. I want you to think about that. I'm almost done. I'm not, I'm not going to belabor the point tonight. I'll, I'll get you out of here. Those that sow in sorrow will reap in joy. Here is, here is, the, here is the issue. So many of us desire a specific outcome. Where do, where do you see yourself and what do you see your harvest down the road? Let me speak to the older group that's in the room tonight. I'll put myself in your category. Let me speak to the 50 and over group tonight. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? What do you want your life to look like? Well, I hope that's not going to get it. What are you sowing? Well, I've done all of my sowing. No, you haven't. You're still sowing. You're still sowing. You want your family around you? You better sow the right things. You want to have friends in your aging years? You better sow to friendships. You want to have God on your side? You better sow. You better sow into your spiritual life. Because wherever you spend your energy sowing, in the end, that is what you're going to harvest. Speak to the younger group that's here tonight. You don't, have, you don't have your whole life to make decisions on what you're going to do. I know when you're younger, I learned this several years ago. I could teach this to youth and they would not relate at all. And here's why. Because young people have a tendency to not live in reality. Those of you who have young people at home are grinning at me right now because you know it's true. They don't live in reality. And so they don't identify with reality. There's very few realities they live in, particularly today. Our youth today live in a virtual world, particularly the younger youth. You, you take your kid's age. They live in a virtual world. 
hand them a, hand them a, a gaming device, hand them a computer. Uh, I was in the office the other day, and I'm trying to figure out how to turn on the screens out in the foyer. And uh, I, I was looking everywhere, trying to find the remote. I finally found the remote and went out, and I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the screens to work. And I walked back in, and I kind of jokingly looked at Brantley. He was the only one in the office. He was man in the office for us that day. He's sitting at his desk, and uh, or at his mama's desk. And I said, uh, I was joking, and I just went in, and I said, Brantley, do you know how to turn on these screens? Because I sure don't know how. He looked at me and said, I said, well, would you turn them on? He said, he jumped up, went over to where the remotes were, grabbed them, walked out in the foyer, looked up there, click, 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 turned them on, and they weren't where they were supposed to be, so then he starts making all the... How old are you? He probably looked at me and said, how old are you? But they don't live in, in, in our reality. They don't identify with it in the level that we do. You talk about waiting, they don't understand. You talk about aging, they don't understand aging. Because in their mind, as much as we want to believe that they do, they, they believe they're going to always be young. Even some of the young adults here, this, this couple right here, they believe they're going to always be young. They, they've got the world. They're going to always, the health they have, they're going to always have it. I see some of you shaking your head no because you know you know the reality of it all. And, and that's, I remember, I remember. It hadn't been that long ago. I'm young. So we've got to decide what, what is the future going to look like for us? And what are we sowing today? Because what we sow today, we're going to reap tomorrow. It's, it's going to be in your health. It's going to be in your finances. Oh, that's a whole lesson in of itself. You can't expect to have your retirement packed up for you if you don't invest in it now. Start investing now. You're going to need it because I'm living with you. What are you investing in now? I'm closing. I'm almost done here. What are you investing in now? What are you sowing now? Because what you're sowing now, you will reap in the future. It may be a year. It may be five years. It may be 10 years. It may be 50 years down the road. But whatever you are sowing, you will reap it. Both the good and the evil. Both the physical and the spiritual. So as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So here's where, this is what I end with tonight. I choose to invest the best days of my life in serving God. I don't want to put off to the end of my life and say, well, I'll start serving God in my older years. Praise God, glad to have all those that come in and the deathbed repentance, wonderful that God sort it all out in the end. But I'm going to tell you, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because I know something. There is a benefit in serving God and being faithful to God. When the prodigal returned, the father went and met him, put the killed the fatted calf and put the robe on him and the brother went to him and said, all these days I have been with you and you didn't throw a party for me. You didn't do all this for me. And the father looks at him and in essence, here's what the father said. He said, 
all this time, everything that I have has belonged to you. You wanted a party, you've had it all along. You could have had it, but what you have done, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, but that son, that son was lost and now is found. But don't compare the two because they don't compare. Because the faithful son, the faithful son had all the blessings of the father's house. The prodigal son had the blessing of a party, and he had the blessing of a future. But all the damage that was done during the days of him being gone, even God can erase your past. But he can give you a brand new future. So can they be saved? Yes. But what you are investing in today is going to mark your future for the better. Your harvest is going to be better. Your life is going to be better. Your latter days are going to be better. And then people are going to look at you and say, I don't understand why they're blessed. Because you were faithful. Because what you sow, you're going to reap. Stand with me tonight. God bless you. Thank you for your attention tonight. Lord, we pray over this congregation this evening. I pray over every home, over every family, over every head of household, over every parent and grandparent, Lord, that is sowing into the lives of their young people. Lord, over every married couple that is sowing into their marriage, over every person that looks ahead in their spiritual walk and says, I want to become something in the kingdom of God. I don't want to just live. I don't want to just sow to the wind because I'll reap a whirlwind. I want to be intentional about my future. I want to invest now, God, so that we can be what you have designed us to be. I want to invest.